Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad you joined us for another episode, another day. Uh, no, I do not wear the same clothes every day. So I know you're seeing me in this vest and this shirt, but we are recording all of these episodes for chapter one on the same day. Just want to make that clarification. Um, we are in verse number seven. And John, we've been talking about a true fellowship, a fellowship with the Lord, which is foundational to our fellowship with each other, which are both a requisite to having a full joy. He sure has, and he's laying this foundation so that people, John wants them to have fullness of joy. We've seen that already, and he's now talking about what must take place in order for us to be having the right kind of fellowship with God. And so in the last episode, we dealt with the negative side. You know, if we're walking in darkness, we're not. Today, John's going to talk about, okay, this is the positive. Here is how you know you are walking in fellowship with God. So... We, we've said, even just by way of our, our title for this podcast, for this, for this particular book, we've said that God is light. So that's absolutely foundational for fellowship is that we would walk with the Lord and we would walk in righteousness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today. And that God is love and we need to walk in light. We need to walk in love. And that, that is only possible uh, through God. It's not that we walk in light to measure up to God, or we try to walk in love to measure up to God. No, when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ himself, who empowers us to live in the Spirit, to live a lives of, of pleasing to God, of righteousness, of love for others. So when we talk about light and love, we're looking at, at, at indicators on our dashboard to say, yo, am I walking in the Spirit? Am I living a life consistent with my faith? You know, am I allowing the Holy Spirit of God to help me to live like Jesus, or am I grieving Him? Right? That's Ephesians 4. Am I quenching Him? You know, that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In essence, am I resisting Him? You know, that's Acts chapter 7. So let's find out a little bit more about what it means to walk in the light. It's verse number uh, 7, I think, is where we are today. Where, where the Bible says, but if we walk in the light. So when the Bible talks about walking in the light, metaphorically, what does it mean to walk in? It's talking about walking according to the revelation of God. The, God, the revelation God has given us, that we're obeying that. We're hearing the words of Jesus Christ and we're doing them. Right. So it's our practice. It's our ongoing practice. So to walk in the light, the Bible says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Um, so I think at this point, it would be wise for us to talk about, you know, what is God's plan for mankind, both as mankind as a, as a, as a species, uh, but then... Uh, each one of us. What, what's, what's God's salvation plan? Because if we're not careful, these verses will become muddy in our mind because we don't understand God's scope, the scope of God's plan for us. 
So when it comes to salvation, and I know that some of you, this will be review for you, but, but it's a good review. So when it comes to salvation, we, we have to be careful how we use our terms. So when the Bible talks about salvation, that's the scope of God's plan for you. You think about who are you? You're, you're a body, your soul, your spirit. So body, that's your physical body. That, that's what John said, Jesus had a physical body. He's talking about the humanity of Jesus, but also a soul. Soul involves your, your mind, your will, your emotions, the capacity that you have to, to interact with, with other sentient beings, right? So your body, your soul, but then your spirit. And your spirit is that part of you that because of sin was dead in trespasses and in sins, but was made alive when you invested faith in Jesus Christ. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And so the the spirit is that part of you by which you communicate with God. And Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We don't understand. No no man knows the mind of God but the spirit of God. And no man knows you like the spirit of you. So your spirit communicating with God's spirit, that's the way by which you communicate with, with God, through an enlivened spirit. Now, why, why am I saying all that? Because when it comes to salvation, God's interested in all three. He's interested in saving you, uh, your, your spirit. You were regenerated at the, at the moment of salvation. You were justified. So, John, I'm doing all the talking here. I feel bad. So, when, when I say that, when a person says, hey, I got saved, what are, what are they saying when they make that statement? Yeah, when people say that, typically what they're saying is, I trusted Christ as my Savior. You know, I, I'm now a child of God. But I like what you're talking about, though, Pastor, about this idea about salvation, the totality of salvation. And really what, what Pastor's driving to is the idea about positional truth of in Jesus Christ, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was 100% righteous in the sight of God because I had the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, I still have a body of sin. The sin principle still lives within me. But Paul talks a lot about this in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. He looks forward to that day when the body itself is, is restored. And so our salvation will not be complete in totality until someday we are resurrected and we're given our new body someday. And even now, our, our, we groan because we long for that day. And yet, John is dealing here a lot with okay, our practice. Our position in Jesus Christ is secure. We have the righteousness of God. But John is talking about practical living out our Christianity. How should we live our life out now that we have become a child of God? Yeah, so the three words that you probably have heard that you want to keep in mind here, the word justification. So that's the act whereby God the Father declares the believer in Jesus to be righteous. That's a, that's a, that's a one-time thing. It's your positional standing before God. It's the judge saying not guilty. You're not guilty. That's your status now. That's your position. That, that's unchangeable. Another way to look at that would be when you, are, when you are born into your physical family, that inaugurated the relationship. Actually, before you were born, because we're, a life is life at conception. But for sake of illustration, my four children are my children by virtue of the relationship. Now, we could be estranged from each other, but my own dad 
was estranged from me when I was growing up, but that didn't make him any less my biological father. We were we had a relationship by virtue of birth, yes. but we didn't have good fellowship. So relationship is a matter of birth. Fellowship is a matter of obedience. So when it comes to salvation, we have a right standing with God at, at justification. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. At that moment, your spirit was saved. You'll never be unsaved. Uh, you can never be other than positionally righteous before God. But justification inaugurated a process. And that's a process that we call sanctification. And here's the best definition I know uh, for sanctification that's practical. Sanctification is the process. It's an ongoing thing. It's the process whereby the Spirit of God, who lives inside of you, takes the Word of God and applies it to your heart and life. So the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make the child of God, that's me and you, and you, more like the Son of God. So that's Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So what is predestination in the Bible? Predestination is God has made it a sure thing that all believers in Jesus will one day be just like Jesus. So predestination is not a matter of God arbitrarily saying, eeny, meeny, money, mo, I pick some to go to heaven, some to go to hell. No, that, n- nothing could be farther from the truth. Predestination is God has made it a sure thing that every believer in Jesus will one day be just like Jesus. He will complete that good work which he began in you. So sanctification is that process. Now, here's the thing about that process, John. We, we can retard that process. Yes. You know, we can inhibit it. And the Bible says that. We can grieve the Spirit. No, we can quench the Spirit. That, that's possible for us. So what is, the, what is the sweet spot for the believer? The sweet spot for the believer is to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by the Spirit, which is I am open and sensitive to the Word of God. As God reveals things to me, that's light, mm-hmm. right? When God shines his light on my life through his word, then my job is to respond to that light so I can continue to walk in the light. So this is not a hard passage to wrap our minds around as we match the metaphor with what the Bible clearly states in his word about our salvation. And it's not difficult at all, Pastor. You're right. It's very clearly showing us that process of sanctification, of spiritual growth, of becoming more like Jesus Christ as we walk in the light. As we walk in the light, draw closer to God, we're going to find things in our life that practically shouldn't be there. Yeah, our position is secure, but our practice may not measure up to what it ought to be. But if, we're, but if we want to walk with God, that by the way, that should be the heart desire of every true believer. Uh, every believer is a new creature in Christ Jesus. That person in Christ only wants to please God, wants to follow Jesus Christ and do what is right. And so as that process of sanctification comes about, then we become more like Jesus Christ. And as we're walking with God and we see sin in our life and we say, oh, that, that, I realize that's not right. Then we want to get right because we want to be walking with God day by day. Yeah, and let's be clear. The Bible is not teaching that, okay, we were saved by grace through faith, but now that we're saved, you know, we kind of got to measure up in order for God to forgive us and for us to, no, that's not the point. The point is that there's a very practical side to our Christian life, and that is we need to be living out the identity that we've already received. Live like who you are, not like who you were. 
And the Bible says here in verse number six, so uh, verse number seven, so if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. In other words, we make the benefit, the practical benefit of the atonement of Christ, we make it practical as we walk in the light because then that forgiveness is actuated in uh, in our life. It's not to say that we aren't forgiven now of our sins, past, present, and future, and that we don't already have a positional standing of complete righteousness before God. We do, but in a practical way, we make that atonement uh, practically beneficial in the way that we walk in the light. And this is a great truth. If, if, when a person in their mind understands properly the relationship between positional truth and practical truth, it really is a great experience in the Christian life. I remember teaching years ago uh, a class, and I was talking about this concept about positional truth, how that at the point of my salvation, positionally, I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I could be no more perfect now than I was at the point of trusting Christ positionally. I remember I saw a young lady in the audience. Her, her light came on in her face. You could see her mm. face. And she came down in tears after that. So, you know, I, I, just ne- I never understood that. Hmm. I never understood that my position was secure in Jesus Christ. And, and sadly, Satan wants people to think their position is not secure, that they're, they're, that, that they're standing with God, their relationship with God is dependent upon how they live their lives. There's nothing that any one of my children, and I'm a frail human being, so... I'll use this illustration because our Heavenly Father is so much more loving and so much more faithful than I ever could be to my kids. But I would say this about my own kids, and that is there's nothing that my kids could do, or my grandkids for that matter, nothing that they could do to make me love them any more than I already love them. There's nothing that would ever abrogate that relationship. There's nothing, nothing that they could do that would ever make me say, you're no longer my son. And I'm just a frail human being, a sinful human being with a a frail love. So there's nothing that you can do if you're a child of God that would in any way impede God's love for you. God already loves you as much as he could ever love you. But fellowship is important. And there are many things in the rearing of my children that, that impeded fellowship along the way. You know, when they were rebellious or when there were times of discipline or whatever, fellowship can, can, is a fragile thing yes. and it must be maintained day after day. You know, you can get a marriage license and that marriage is intact. You're just as married today as I was 33 years ago, but a good marriage is one of ongoing fellowship, of walking together, of honesty, of transparency. And that's what we're driving at here in these verses. And I like the words you used earlier, Pastor, about actualizing. How that, you know, the truth that is in Jesus Christ, we actualize that in our life as we live it out. I think even the broader concept of salvation, Christ died for the whole world. But the only people that applies to in an actual way as far as it's real in their life is those who believe in Jesus Christ. Sufficient for all. And you know, only those that believe in Christ does it actually take place in their life, that reconciliation between them and God. And so in the Christian life, we, we are secure in Christ. And because of that, we ought to follow Jesus Christ and serve Christ. And yet we do not really see 
all, all the benefit of Christ's death for us lived out in our life if we don't live in fellowship with God, die to self, die to sin, and follow him. That is the life God wants us to live, that he did for us through Jesus Christ, and that that is our privilege to have that kind of life. Let, let's uh, just conclude here with verse 8 for today, where the Bible says, if we say, so remember that's kind of one of the, the things that, that John themes out in his book. There's a difference between what we say and, and what is actually true. So if we say that we have no sin, now how ridiculous would that be? But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So positionally, we don't have sin. But he's speaking not to our positional state. He's speaking to our practical living. And what he's saying is, if you say that you don't have any sin, you're good, you're fine, then really you're living in self-deception. This is not you walking and living out the truth. The truth of the matter is this. We're sinners. We're saved sinners. The truth of the matter is we still lug around this old sinful flesh that competes with the indwelling spirit of God. And this old flesh is not going to be saved until one day uh, we're glorified with Christ. It's the last part of our salvation is, is our, our glorified body. First uh, John chapter 3, we'll get to that, verses 2 and 3. So what's the point? The point is that we need to be sensitive to the indwelling spirit of God in our life. We need to be willing to admit, and that really sets us up for tomorrow. Yes. We need to be willing to admit when we step out of the way and when we fail and when we sin and agree with the Lord that our sin is as bad as the Bible says it is. And it's bad because it impedes our fellowship with God. Well, we're going to come, come back to that next episode. So thanks for being faithful. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.